Father, thank you. And Lord, we come before you and we know that life is full of opportunities. Opportunities for things to go wrong, but also opportunities for all kinds of things to go right. And Lord, your word has said that you work all things for good according to those, for those who are, who um, love you. And so Lord, we uh, put ourselves at your mercy. We put ourselves in your hands and we ask you, Father, to lead and guide us tonight. Open your word to us. Help us to see and to understand everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in 2 Timothy 2. First, or 2 Timothy, we talked about last week that 2 Timothy is a continuation of 1 Timothy. Same, same idea, just a, a, another letter encouraging Timothy to keep going, keep trying, keep working at it. Don't give up. And uh, in life, most of the time, the enemy is trying to get us to give up, trying to get us to quit. Kind of trying to give us, get us to be frustrated and give up. But we're more stubborn than that. And we refuse to give him an inch. And it says, great, great thing about the word, it says that if we don't give up, we reap a harvest. We win. So, 2 Timothy is, or Timothy still is not uh, sure about staying, about uh, continuing the work in Ephesus, but Paul is encouraging him to do so. So, 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So that is Timothy's job in Ephesus now. Paul is saying to him, you need to put this into somebody else's hands. Not that he will be forever done, but that's what leaders do. Leaders train other people to do what they need to do. And uh, as the church grows, Paul knows that the church isn't going to need just one person teaching or leading or or pastoring, or whatever, you know, all the the, the needs therein. <clears throat> he knows it's going to take more. And so he says to Timothy, you need to be ready to turn this over to somebody else. You, be, you need to be ready, to, you need to be training people up who can do this, who can continue this on. And this is the, the chapter that uh, churches and pastors use all the time to talk about what kind of people. What kind of people do we put in charge? Do you just put a warm body uh, in the in the position? Or are there some qualification? Well, there are qualifications. And the first one being what? What do we see in that verse 2 that is a qualifier? Faithful, faithful. faithful men. Yep, people who are faithful. Uh, faithful is... Uh, more important than anything. You can have people who are highly skilled. You can have people who are uh, amazingly talented. You can have people who can do the do the stuff. Or you have people who can be trained to do the stuff. 
But if they're not faithful, you'll you'll never have somebody you can trust. Faithfulness is the most important thing. Somebody who will stick with you, do keep doing it, keep being keep uh, keep, keep being faithful. Trying to give the definition of faithful without using the word faithful. Uh, keep moving forward. Keep going. Um, always there when you need them. Reliable. Reliable. Yep. Somebody you can count on. Somebody who's not going to uh, fade away into the darkness in the last last minute or whatever. Find faithful men. And so, in anything that we do, whether it be in the church, but I, you know, I would say anything that we do in in life. Uh, we need to be looking for faithful people, people who will do what they said they'll do, honest people, uh, integrous people, um, people of of good character, people who will do what they said they will do, faithfulness. And that is, to me, the, the highest quality. Then, after that, you can train all kinds of things. You can train ability. You can train uh, skills and, and things like that. But you can't train faithfulness. That comes from a person's heart. That comes from from knowing um, knowing who they are and sticking to it. And that's that's a in in this world as a whole. Um, that is a it's in short supply. There's there's it's a it's a commodity that is that is not easy to find. Now, obviously, um, in this church, that's another story. Um, this church has more faithful people than you can shake a, a stick at. Uh, you know, try to throw a cue ball across the room, and uh, you're going to hit a faithful person. Not that I would want to throw a cue ball across <laughs> the room. But, you know, it's an analogy that I thought would work. Why did you choose cue ball? I don't know. Stick. No, 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 stick. See, but, you know, I don't know why a cue ball. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a long stick. You're going to hit lots of cue balls. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, at the same time, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but a cue ball is decisive. You know, you hit the person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so tennis that. ball. Well, yeah, but see, they just you wake up and then you get a <laughs> So, faithfulness extremely important. This church is full of faith, faithful people, I, and I still say because. For years, when I was working for Pastor Dan over at Abundant Life and our communion of saints at that time, and Kevin, Pastor Kevin over at Abundant Life, uh, many years I said, you know what, I'm calling in faithful people because I'm being faithful. I'm sowing seeds of faithfulness. I will reap faithful people, and I, I, am, I, I am receiving that uh, in, in excess. So, praise God. That is a huge quality to be looking at. Then he also, in the same breath, he says, who will be able to teach others also? That's also a quality needed for one of these leaders. We need to be able to teach. Now, does that mean that they stand behind the pulpit? No, not necessarily. Does it mean that they will lead thousands? No, maybe not. Um, What it means is they're able to teach. They're They're able to articulate what they what they know and what they understand being able to articulate now a lot of people can be able to articulate what they believe and what they know and when it comes to leaders though 
they need to be able to do that. They need to be able to say, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, and here's what, here according to the word is why we're doing what we're doing. So being able to articulate the, uh, the information needed to move the church forward in whatever area um, that person works in. And so he's not saying find a faithful man. He's saying find faithful men. There should be more than one leaders uh, within the church. And within our church here, we have many leaders, many, many leaders. Um, some leaders are in leadership positions where um, they have responsibility. We also have many leaders just in, in once a week or once a month positions. They're teaching in classrooms. They're being substitute. Or they're, they're being uh, um, uh, helpers helpers in the classrooms and they're teaching they're teaching the young kids they're they're doing different things that's you know we, we are training up leaders part of what we what we're supposed to do as a church is to train up the saints to do the work of the ministry well we start that very young once they get out of usually uh, grade school they're in doing something they're involved with some sort of ministry with some sort of uh, outreach or whatever so we start training them very young. That's part of what we're supposed to do. Verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I've always been glad. Yes, go ahead. What would an example be of no soldier on duty is involved in civilian affairs? Good. Exactly. We'll talk about that in just a second here. Verse 7, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. I'm really glad he threw that verse in there. Because if you look at those three verses from 3 until 6, he just throws three seemingly random, different random examples and you're thinking, what in the world? I mean, many times I thought, okay, what exactly are you saying? And Paul says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. So, let's break it down. He gives three different examples. The first one is share in suffering as a good soldier of, of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And number and verse 6, number 3, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. It is not random that he picked those three, giving those three examples. So, let's break that down. What the heck is he talking about here? Um, when we talk about Scripture, everything has to be in context. What is he saying as a whole? Because he's talking about finding faithful men. And then he starts talking about uh, athletes, soldiers, and farmers. What are you trying to say here? Well, he's giving examples. He's using an allegory, or he's using a, uh, what's the, uh, the other word? Um, parable? Yeah, parable, yes. Um, I can't remember what the other word is. Metaphor. Metaphor. He's using a metaphor. 
He, okay, so you're looking. He says to he tells Timothy, look for faithful leaders, and so he then uses three metaphors. The first one being uh, the soldier, being a good soldier. The second being the athlete, and the third being the farmer, a hardworking farmer. So obviously, in context, these are not random. He is trying to get us to understand something. So he's he's saying, find faithful men. Who will be able to teach? But what does he mean by faithful? What does he trying to say? So, first one, he says, sharing the suffering is a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Okay, when it says no uh, suffer or uh, endure or share in suffering as a good soldier. What does that mean? Give me give me an idea. What is what is he trying to say there? Don't Take mind. one for the team. Take one for the team. Good. Persevere. Don't mind. Don't complain. Just keep doing your, doing your work. Thank you, sir. So so okay, you guys were former soldiers. So you you have it coming from a different perspective. It's not just do your job. It's also don't complain. This is what you're going to do. Suck it up. Let's go. Yeah, that's what you signed up for. It's what you signed up for. Tina, you were in the military? I was. I was in the Army. No, I'm in the National Guard. He was regular Army. I was National Guard. Okay. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay. We still love you. And in some ways, we respect you more. But <laughs> <laughs> National Guard, part of the Army? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are the so Army. But, yeah, we just, like, drove, like, a weekend out of the month and then, like, two to three weeks in the summer. Okay. Active duty and guard always banter back and forth. Yeah. Why is an army guy wearing a shirt? Most is it? I'm talking. Most of the people that were have been deployed to Iraq have been National yeah. Guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, almost all of them. Yeah. So it's you know they they're fighting the war. It's yeah. you know. <clears throat> okay. So. Suck it up. Let's go. Do your job. Don't complain. So, you know, it's life is hard. You know, and we've been talking about we're being attacked. And, and uh, you know, we're being attacked in our relationships. We're being attacked in our workplaces. We don't, and, and when I say attack, I'm not saying specifically uh, persecution. Just stuff happens. And stuff happens and it and you know things break down. You know cars break down, and and that's frustrating. You know it's not, huh? Let it out, Deb. Let it out. You need. I know you need to just release some of this tension and pressure. Frustrating. <clears throat> At least your phone wasn't dead, and you weren't trying to call him on a dead phone. And then by the time he got there, and then you had to tell him turn around. I found somebody. So she was. Huh? Did that happen before? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> jumping it works. Um, jumping it works, but I was really scared of the guy that I happened to ask because he was sitting in a car, and so I was like, "Oh, will you help me?" And then he started talking and walking. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you think you're drunk?" <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I was really scared that he was going to blow up my car. <laughs> so so made me come down here. No, that was after I talked to you. No, no, because I called Tanya because you weren't answering your phone. 
So she had to come and bang on your door. So this isn't a hypothetical what oh, if. No. <laughs> Apparently an unresolved. Might yeah, it's an unresolved happened. issue. <laughs> 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 Might <have> <laughs> <clears throat> So, whether it be whatever the situation may be, some people would want to say they, they want to throw sickness in there. He's not talking about sickness. He's talking about attacks. A soldier doesn't, you know, if he if he was talking about sickness, then maybe he would talk about a doctor or whatever. He's talking about a soldier. It's a fight. This this life is a fight. And we have to be ready to deal with the fight and to suck it up and keep going forward, keep moving, keep taking ground. And so when you're looking for a faithful person, what are we looking for then? Perseverance. Perseverance. Somebody who doesn't complain. Somebody who doesn't complain. Integrity. Not be me. Integrity. Tough. You know, it's just somebody, you know, tough and, you know, you, you, you come up against some adversity, so what? Let's go. Let's keep going. They keep their, they keep their focus on what their goal. Mm-hmm. So they keep their focus on the goal. That's where it's talking about um, a, see, I can't see without my glasses. Um, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now remember, Paul at some point in time, not in, I don't think it's in Timothy, um, talks about that, you know, hey, to keep yourself focused, don't get married. Mm-hmm. Well, do, does that mean, does that mean we don't get married? No, of course not. You know, that we, you know, so we still look at marriage as a, as an honorable institution, and if you really need an institution, there's other things that you, no, I'm sorry, that's no joke. <laughs> I think part of what the example of a soldier helps bring into is the clear chain of command like he knows that yeah. Tim- Timothy's working for God <laughs> it's not when you're interacting with all these other people you don't have to have a committee kind of mentality where it's not clear on what's happening mm-hmm. and a soldier an, an active duty soldier knows what their purpose is They're, you know, they should know I mean, I, I don't know. I've never been in the military, but everything I've ever heard is, is, hey, they know what their job is. They know what's expected of them. They know what to do. And to get involved in other things is not, um, is not what God, or what the, what the soldier's uh, commanding officer wants. It's not what God wants for us. So what does that mean? Great question. That you just explained it. Yeah. No, I need to. I need help. Stop. Okay, say, you say it now. Say it in the, word, in the way. What do you mean? When I was on active, this is the biggest complaint I've had since I left the military, not knowing what my purpose is when I go to a job and stuff. Mm-hmm. The whole twenty years I've mean, been around in corporate America, never really knowing to the letter what my job was because it changed every day, every five minutes it changed. Where when I was in the military, I knew exactly. Who I was, what I was supposed to do, where I was supposed to be, when I was supposed to be there, just to the letter. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, so I could do my job and function function so much better. Does that, that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is the way I thought of it when I tell you to. Like, we were commo people, and so we were in communication, is what we did. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't catch a communication person, like, working at a hospital and being a nurse yeah. or a doctor. They would just do their job and just stay in their little area. You would never go and go someplace totally random. 
True. You had a very specific purpose. Yeah. You knew your role and you stayed in it. So then how how can we I understand that aspect of it, but then for like you were saying now now that he's not in the military, it's like, okay, well, what is my next step? What is how do we interpret that to us now? Mm -hmm. I think for me now, my purpose is to be a soldier for Christ, to win souls for the kingdom of heaven. That is my goal, that is my role, that is my purpose, and that is my focus, and that's what I should focus on. Is that right? That's, that is, that is, yes. Right. Bottom line, that... Hello. It's not our neighbor telling the house is on fire, is it? Yeah, no. Truck just blew up in Lake Tahoe. So I was just on the driving here. She's like, you know, is it is it dangerous? I didn't know that it's home. I said, hey, if if it's clicking and all of a sudden it it arcs and then it starts to flame and then it blows up and it takes the house down. Hey, then we can move. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're sorry. Yeah, she didn't like that. She didn't like that. It's funny. I don't know why she didn't like that. And now it's on tape. Now now it's on recording. So, um, let me give you an example because this this goes into there I heard a story years ago and it's it's been something that I've always purposed to remind myself on this very subject about what is my purpose? What what am I called to do? There was a, a man, he was an, uh, an interviewer for a company, and he wanted people who were very, they clearly understood who they were. Not that they were coming and going, you know, I'm just trying to figure out if I want to do this or if I want to do that. He didn't want people that were, that were not settled on the direction of their life. And so he'd, he would sit him down in, in the chair across, really comfy chair, and, and he'd be oh, it's a beautiful day out, isn't it wonderful? Hey, can I get you a cup of coffee? Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, here, you know, it, it just making them feel at home and warm and, and uh, saying nice things and talking about happy things. I mean, he, just, he would just lavish them for the first 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, he would stand up and he would slam the table and he'd say, what is your purpose and where, what's your focus for your life? And usually he said that most people would start crying. He said, they, they, you know, they just, they just didn't, you know, oh, oh, you know, and they just freaked out. And he said, but he says he, what he was looking for, somebody saying, I know I'm supposed to be this. This is the direction of my life. And that's what he was looking for. He said the first person to ever answer it correctly was he did that. He slams it. What is your purpose and what is your what's your goal in life? And the guy just blurted out. He says, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and my goal is to get people saved. And just blurted it out. So I mean he knew who he was. Now, as a leader, he's talking about a leader, but I think all of us can have that sense of purpose. And you know, okay, that sounds churchy. It isn't. That really is our purpose. Um when when leading a church, when I'm leading people, I really want people to understand I'm not dad first. I'm not a husband first. I'm not, there's a lot of things that I'm not first. What I am is a servant of the living God. That is my purpose. That's all of our purpose. That's, that's, our identities, let me say it that way. Our identity 
is I am a servant of the living God. I am a born-again, spirit-filled servant of the living God. Secondly, my purpose in life is God's purpose. What God's plan is, that should be my plan. What, what What His purpose is should be my purpose. And His purpose is that none should be lost. So, once we understand who we are and why we're here on this earth, the better. And many times that gets lost in in church, in Christianity, because people, you know, I still hear, you know, and, and I don't hear it around here, but I hear um, in the Christian world, you know, the, uh, this latest self-help book to find your purpose in life and this and that and who has God created you to be? It's real simple who he's created us to be. He's created us to be Jesus Christ in people's lives who don't know him. Now, what people would would could go with this is, well, if that means I'm not supposed to get involved in civilian affairs, then, then that means I shouldn't have a boat, and I shouldn't have a hobby, and I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't like football, and I shouldn't this and shouldn't that and whatever... No, because all those things make up what our life, how, how we reach other people, how we involve ourselves in other people's lives. Um, to take the boat. <laughs> as, as long as we don't lose the focus of who we are and why we're here. And, and I really probably should say this this plainly. Hello? Everybody's leaving. Your house is on Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Do you have a phone, Daryl? He's at home. Good. Good. <laughs> he knows why he's here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's a soldier there. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn mine off. Where are my phones over here? So it's having that clear sense of purpose. Who am I? And why am I here? And then everything else falls into place. Then the importance of everything else falls into place. So, number one, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a servant of the living God. A born-again servant of the living God. And my purpose is that wherever I go, everything, every word that I say, speak, every, everything that I do in my life represents Jesus Christ. Then, I'm free to do whatever the Lord leads me to do. And what is on my heart to do? Because the Bible says he gives us the desires of our heart. He, 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 he gives us desires. He puts desires in our heart, and then we, it is fulfilled by what we do. So, I met a wonderful woman. And our relationship, from the beginning, has been, has been um, centered around being servants of the living God, whose our intense purpose is to is to represent Jesus Christ to every person that we meet, and we want our marriage to reflect that. Now we're also human, <laughs> so it doesn't always reflect it. It doesn't always run smoothly. But you know, as somebody that's not in you know in our marriage, does it re- does it represent Christ? I mean, for the most part. Well, I should hope so. I mean, that's that should be my desire in everything that we are. Then I'm also a father because you put a male and a female in the same house for a while, there's going to be kids usually. And but then 
that isn't my number one purpose in life, but as a servant of the living God, and because because my purpose is to is to represent Christ in everything that I do, it's my responsibility, my purpose in life is to represent Christ to my kids, first of all. But then how I raise my kids to people around us. And with my kids, you know, I'm, I'm constantly saying, here's why I'm doing this. And this is how God does this in your life. You know, I, I expect you to do jobs around the house. But God also has expectations for you. And so I'm representing how I'm living my life with my children to how God how, how God relates to them. Um, people, people in our neighborhood have said things about how we raise it. We just talked about the other day that that uh, Ethan, his he he works at uh, Dunn Brothers, and he and he tonight's his last Wednesday night that he has to work because we want he, we want him in church, we want him to be involved with youth group and everything else, but because we took a few trips and so on and so forth, he's had to switch some you know helping people out. And he's been taking Wednesday night shifts, but they love him working. Uh, closing, he lo- they love him work from five to close because he gets it done so fast and it's so clean and every, you know, they're, they're just going on and on about how well he closes and that is a representation of we've had him working since he was three years old so so you build those things into your children and that represents Christ it, it brings a, you know, it's a good representation so it isn't that we, it excludes us from the fun things or the things that that are um, not the one but the one. Yeah, yeah, there they go. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Shut the door. Lock the door. <laughs> but so that that's the, the thing is that a good soldier keeps focused. We we know why we're here. We know who we are. And I'm always having to refocus. Am I, am, is that my focus? Am I really living this way? Am I really putting Christ first? Or is there something in my life, you know, Saturday night, so, so here I've been bragging on myself. Now I'll tell you where I've fallen, where I, where I failed. Sunday night, I was ticked. I was just, I was in a crappy mood. Uh, I was just, <clears throat> man. Because we, for the last, the Vikings weren't on, see, so it couldn't have been that. No, we, for the last number of years, we have been, I have been wanting to move to the country. And we keep looking at these properties. And, and for one reason or another, they've all fallen through. Well, Sunday, we looked at another property. It was perfect. Oh, it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. And it's not going to work. And I was ticked. And I was moping around the house. And I was being a jerk. And I had an attitude. And Deb was trying to cheer me up. And I snapped at her. And right, right, right. And I went to, and then she went to bed, and, and you know, and I laid there for a while thinking, okay, that was being a jerk. And God was, and I woke up in four o'clock in the morning, and picked up my tablet, opened it up, went to the Bible, started reading, and it's, and I was reading about don't be covetous. I mean, I've never thought of myself. Wow. Oh, she's okay. I thought she was. <laughs> Is it locked or is it open? So that's fine. Um, I've never thought of myself as being covetous. I mean, that's one of the things in the Bible that I never thought I was ever. But I wanted something 
that God wasn't ready to give to me. And I wanted it really bad. And I want, you know, and, and I was getting upset about the fact that I wasn't getting it in my time. That's covetousness. And I was just, so at that point, I'm not, my focus had turned off of my direct purpose and that's to represent Christ and everything to everybody, including my wife, my children, you know, and and everybody else. I had, that focus had been turned towards a piece of property that's an idol, you know, whether I get that piece of property or any piece of property is the grace of God. And he said, if, you know, in in, uh, Matthew 6, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added on to you. It, we got to have things in the right perspective, you know, that, that we can get off of that. And so here's this soldier, be a good soldier, suffer, suffer, um, let me get to it, let me open this up, um, be willing to suffer, share in suffering as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Well, my, my civilian pursuit was that piece of land. If God doesn't want me to have that piece of land, why am I getting ticked about it? Because we're human be- I'm a human being, and I, and I have faults yet. Since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him, so then we move on to the next one, athlete. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So, what is it that we're supposed to pull out of that one? What is an athlete who competes according to the rules? What? <laughs> well... That should see, and that's the truth. Did they? Who, who won the Super Bowl this year? They won. They see? were grounded. Well, see, and that's the fallen world we live in. <laughs> but in the kingdom of God, somebody who doesn't play by the rules, because there's all kinds of people that get caught, and that aren't playing by the rules. And the Patriots, right? They didn't. Is this basically right. saying to look for somebody who has integrity? Yeah. I think that it's common for people to believe the ends justify the means, and that's I think companies contradicting here and saying that it matters that you do it right mm-hmm. not just that it produces results based on whatever criteria you're going to judge results whether it's how many people are in the church or whatever and there's I mean that's common in, in churches today you know where but they don't really <laughs> play by the rules an athlete goes through rigorous training though too mm-hmm. they train and train and train and they repeat it over and over and over and over again until they're the best they can be at that sport or that event mm-hmm. yep. and if they don't do that they don't expect to win and that's not, what they use PEDs for <laughs> and, and there you go but that's not following the rules and if they get the right test they lose the crown so, right, you want somebody who's, who's willing to do, to follow the rules, even though, you know, the rules, the person who's fast because they take the steroids, or the person who's fast because they got up every, every morning at 5 o'clock and ran and lifted weights and ate the right foods and didn't eat the wrong foods and went to bed at, at a decent time and, you know, followed, did all the things that they're supposed to do. To win that crown. And it goes extra distance to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think in that case, I mean, outside of this, what it doesn't say is, I think we, I think God smiles on us and blesses us when we do take the harder road. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, may not be the easiest, but I think in most cases, the end game 
people, once they are finished with that journey, and they can look back and say, God is smiling on me. This is how I can see it. And I think that that is something that's not really mentioned here, but I think that's a huge part of it, too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've seen a lot of stuff. In all the years I've been working with churches and ministries and everything else, I've seen a lot of stuff. <clears throat> I've seen a lot of stuff in other churches, and I look at it and go, yeah, I don't like that. That just, that, you know, that doesn't pass the smell test. I mean, it just, it may be okay, and it may, it may not be illegal, and it may, but gosh, I just, I don't, I can't do that. Yeah, and, and, and people want you to take the shortcuts. They want, you know, they want it because if you're, t- if they're taking the shortcuts and you take the shortcuts, then they have, they, then they have validation. And I look at those things and I go, you know, I'm not taking the shortcuts. I mean, I could, I could get up and receive an offering and put tons of pressure on people and tell them that scripturally God is going to, God is not happy with you. If you, if you don't do it, no, I'm not going to make, you know, I don't want to receive an offering ever on, on fear or, or, um, coercion or pity or, you know, how many of you used to watch Christian television 30 years ago? Well, probably even now. I don't even know because I don't watch it anymore. Where they crying and, you know, oh, if you don't send in the money any minute now, we're going to have to they, shut the TV. They, they still do it. Do they still do it? It's like, oh my the Pictures gosh. of the kids, the whole nine yards. Yeah, oh, these starving children are going to start... No, they're going to start because you're not doing with the money what you're supposed to. You know, if you if you cut the corners there, you're going to cut the corners with the kids. Take your cufflinks off for starters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to me, that is just that's that is that not running the race. How how are we supposed to? How, how does the church get the money that it's supposed to have to, or that it needs to do the things it's supposed to do? What is the actual? Biblical model for how money is to be raised within a church. Bring the tithe into the store. Bring the tithe in. Mm-hmm. Which is through, through the offerings. Through the offerings, through the parishioners. And how is the pastor supposed to present that? How do you mean present? Explain a little bit more. It's really the opposite of what I was saying before. No coercion. Yeah. It, it's supposed to be the facts. Here's what the word says, and that's and that's what we endeavor to do every week. Here's what the word says. It, it says that you know you didn't even have to bring it up. Well, I, I Paul taught though, and Jesus even taught. You know, so there there's there there is examples of teaching, but if if it if it if the teaching turns to arm twisting, which you see it all the time, I've heard, I've heard it many times. Then you're leaving. You know, it's basically here's what the here's what the word says. You know, uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Give whatever you have decided in your heart to give. Give. Why do you decide? What, why do you give whatever you decided in your heart? Because God put it in your heart. Because wasn't it um, wasn't it at the temple that there was a there was a special place where they had the offering, and you just went and put your offering in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, so some churches just have a box in the back of the the messianic places that I've been to go to. That's all they have. Yep. Box. And uh, what's his name uh, from uh, England? Who was he? Was a German. We read his book, Mueller. George Mueller. 
George Mueller never asked for an offering, ever. He felt like the Lord said, don't ever ask for an offering. He put a box on the back of the room. Great. I see you know, what, what the Lord's actually led me is, I want you to teach on offering. Two, three minutes, five minutes, you know, when Brian doesn't, I'm supposed to. That's what God has told me. Okay. Then that's what we do. Very short. Here's the truth. Here's what the word says. Give what, you know, give what God's put in your heart. Give with a, with a glad heart. And thank you for giving because this church gives so unbelievable money. And it's wonderful. It's important for our own personal relationship with the Lord to, to know how to give, to know how to give properly. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a testimony about that God honoring the tithe that you bring in too because um, I retired at the end of the year and the very next week that we had some Black eyes got really cold. There was black ice, and Daryl told his prop hmm. right after I quit work. But congratulations on backing up here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the God was so faithful through this. I mean, I just saw His hand on it because we, I, I still had checks coming in from work, so I we were good for the whole month of January, and um, and. We had enough in the savings that we were able to pay cash for a new truck for him. Wow, I mean, good. it was just this, I just saw the hand of God, and it was just, it, you know, and I was just thinking, why God? And he said, the faithful tithe, mm-hmm. the faithful tithe is going to be repaid eventually. Amen. Praise and boy, Lord. this was just, it's just one of those things that God just did that for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. Praise Lord. And, and so there's a way to do that, you know, and that's just one. That's money. Leading somebody to the Lord. You know there's a right way to lead them to the Lord, and there's a wrong way to lead them to the Lord. There's several wrong ways. There's several wrong ways. <laughs> exactly. Several. And some people will coerce somebody into doing it. Somebody will trick somebody into it. No. The, the right way is, here's what the truth is. Here's what the Word of God says. And you let people get there. You let them make their own decision. Now, it's okay to ask, hey, you know, do you want to receive Christ? And and encourage them to do it. Yeah, of course. But it's never about, oh, oh. Yeah. Well, if there, there used to be... What's uh, your definition of encourage? Encourage means... No, no, no. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Is, what is your definition of encourage? Years ago, we did a, we did a, a play at uh, Abundant Life. And it was called Heaven Gate, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. And the, the, the play was you'd have this scene where somebody has an opportunity to receive Christ or whatever, and then they make a choice. They either receive Christ or they don't. You know, they, they re- reject Christ. And then almost immediately they die. One person gets, gets killed in a drive-by shooting. One person gets killed in a, uh, in a uh, uh, cave in, in, a, in a mine. Another person was, you know, just yada, yada, yada. There's all these ways. Well, then they either go to heaven. Oh, the angels are rejoicing, you know, and you get to go to heaven. And the other one was Satan would come out and drag them to hell and flames. And, you know, it was a fear deal. And it was extremely effective. I mean, we had hundreds of people come forward in prayer lines uh, during that time. And... uh, It was somebody that needed. Ah. Okay. So then it was it was extremely effective. Hundreds of people came forward in a prayer line. And afterwards I'm looking at this going, 
we scared them into making a decision. And we've never done it since. Because I just, it just didn't feel right. It wasn't, here's what the truth is. God loves you. And yes, if you don't get saved, you'll go to hell. That sucks. But that you, you don't want somebody to make the decision based on fear. Jesus never did it based on fear. He always, he always, he always led them based on love. The only ones he ever told scary stories about hell were the Pharisees, the ones, the religious leaders who were who were openly trying to stop people from following him. And he was like, "Dudes, <laughs> there's a hell, <laughs> and, and, and you're heading that direction if you don't go do the right thing." So, so number one, the uh, the good soldier. Um, the, the, the metaphor of the good soldier is talking about what are you focused on? What is your purpose in life? What are you here for? The metaphor of the athlete um, who competes according to the rules is doing things right. You want a leader who does things right. You want them to have the right, uh, the right means of doing what they're doing. They need to have the right attitude, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't go into it just selfishly mm-hmm yep yeah they give up a lot to be an athlete they you know they, they give up their time and their 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 creature wants because the body wants a lot of sugar and whatever else <laughs> and I, I still remember when I was training in wrestling way back in high school and, and we were we were very much I, for me I was always I was trying to cut weight in the whole nine yards. But the Olympics were on, the 1980 Olympics, and we didn't go, but uh, that's, that's when it was supposed Or was the 80 Olympics in, in Los Angeles? Which one was in America, 80 or? 84. That was 84, because 80 was that's in Russia. Miracle. That's the miracle one, wasn't it? No, that was, that was, no, that was, uh, oh, was that the Lake Placid one? I don't know. Whatever, in that time period. Um, and the athletes were all talking about what they ate. And one said they hadn't had sugar in four years. And I was like, that's just amazing. So I cut out all sugar in my life. And it was amazing how good I felt. And training, and I could actually, at that point, I, I could start running at the beginning of our training, and I didn't have to stop. I could have kept running all day long. I just was in, you know, 4% body fat and, and, and could run forever and, you know, strength, just everything about it. I was in amazing shape. Well... To get there, you to to be at that level, you have to give up. You, you know, it, there's things you give up. Well, with Christ too, there's going to be things that you have to give up, and uh, you know, everybody ha- wants everybody to give up what they have to give up. But you know, you might have to give up something different than what I have to give up. There's certain things God says you don't get to do that. Okay, there's some things I get to do that you don't get to do, but that's because He's leading us individually. All right. Then the last one, otherwise we'll never get it. See, see what happens when you guys all show up? We only get three verses into this thing by 7.30, and I'm glad you're here. We can take all the time, and I'd rather have that. The last one is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. How does that fit into the other two? Okay. So give me some give me a definition. What's a hard working farmer? Well he sows seeds. 
he sows seeds. It's like we sow seeds, you know, of words of the scripture to other people. Okay. Kind of same principle. Mm-hmm. And he's hard work at it. Set up to some now. Make sure that he plants and not one of that, but he had faith in God that it'll rain and crop up with what he planted. But just trusting God. Mm-hmm. Not just in nature itself. Mm-hmm. And, and wonder, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's all I have to say. I wonder if, okay, so the farmer is sowing the seed, in this case, the seeds of the gospel, the harvest is, is the is the souls coming coming back, maybe as in the farmer receiving disciples to help lighten his load okay. a little bit so he can uh, send the gospel further out. I'm a simpleton, so I think it's just basically saying, you know, a farmer can't go out and in a day make it. He can't make a crop in a day. Mm-hmm. He has to be diligent and go back to it and take care of it. And if he screws around for one day, then what are you going to have? You either have crows or animals eating your crop and you're done so you have to keep at it and so hard working is just not giving up and so it's going to be a constant so it's back to being diligent you know it's it's he, he keeps working even though he hasn't seen the the crop come up yet but then when it does come up it's still not ready to harvest and it you know so then you go every one of the steps every every day is not harvest day yeah you can't be premature right yep you may want it to be ready but it's still not ready so there's a level of diligence there's a level of uh of um uh i just had the word you have to be very patient Patience, yes. Um, disciplined, discipline to to and you know and and of of the the farmer we hear the word discipline. Athlete we could hear the word discipline. Soldier we could hear the word discipline. You just you know who you are. You know where you're going. You know what you're supposed to be doing. You 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 play by the rules. And you're diligent to, to just keep doing it every day, even though you don't see the fruit. But he said that the working farmer ought to have the first share of the crops. That that he's going to get a benefit for it. That's okay. It's a good thing for him to share. The crops are God's. All the crops are God's. You know, the the uh, there's different parables that 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 talk about that concept. That you know, it's all God's. Bottom line, it's all God's. He lets us be get a share in it. So, the people. So now we go back to the context. So we have this picture of someone who is who is disciplined and diligent and and um, uh, faithful and all of these things. And we go back to where in the context of everything that Paul is talking about, and he's saying. These are the kind of people you want to help, or that you want to bring into leadership, and to to be get ready, or to be to be put into the kingdom of God moving forward. Now, 
I would argue that it's all of us. Every one of us needs to have those characteristics. We need to know who we are. The church really needs to know who, who, what is our purpose. Because on any given Sunday, even in our church, there are people who are coming because, well, it's Sunday, I need to come to church. That's not the reason. It's really not the reason. Well, it's Sunday, I need to go to church. No. No, why do we come to church? Why, why do we gather together? Well, you know, we could give all kinds of reasons. But bottom line, every day of our life, we should be living our life for God. It isn't just Sunday morning. It's every day when, when you get up in the morning and you have to confront your spouse, or you know, have to confront your spouse. That didn't come out. At, I didn't mean that. No, I didn't really. You have opportunity to interact with your spouse. That's what I meant. How you treat that person. Gaze upon your spouse. Gaze upon my lovely spouse. Nice save. Yeah, well, not not necessarily. I kind of I kind of stumbled over it a bit. <laughs> but but when you have opportunity to interact with that other person in your life, the way you live your life should reflect Jesus Christ. Is the words that I'm using? Is my attitude? Is my is my purpose being Christ-like? Then we have the children. How we do, you know, how we deal with our children. Are we representing Christ to them? Are we encouraging them along the path of incur- of of uh, imitating Christ? Um, are we being the example? Then we go to our workplace. Why do you have a job? Well, the reality of it is the only reason you have a job is not to make a living. You know, that's I love what Brian said this last weekend. It's not to make a living. The reason you have a job is to influence the people where you work. It's to be salt and light where you work. It's to have those conversations in the truck driving around and and the guy. And I actually, I want to address that. I want to go back to that question um, that you asked before we turn the mic on. That, but you have the opportunity to influence people. You know, for example, um, I do Krav Maga. I do self-defense, and it's just, you, sometimes I actually to myself think, okay, my life would be a lot easier if I didn't have to spend this time doing this and doing that and going and training and, and going on Mondays and, and Thursday nights and, and teaching other people. And it would just be, I could stay home and, and have a night at home. And, and But Monday night, I'm standing there completely immersed in my my one of my instructors is actually teaching the class and I'm just I'm observing and trying to pick out if there's somebody that I should help you know and, and encourage or whatever and somebody who never comes to the class it was actually a parent of one of my students came in and said Pastor John can I ask you a very serious question but because of that relationship in that place it gave me the opportunity to minister uh, a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, um, I had a man come to me who, who had been taking taking lessons from me. And I, I never talk about being a Christian. I never, never talk about being a Christian in the class. I never talk about being a pastor, but they all know it. And he came up to me and he goes, hey, he says, I just need to let you know. He says, he goes, uh, my wife has just been diagnosed with a, a rare 
disease where she is she's losing her mind. It isn't it isn't dementia. It's not. It's there's that an actual disease. She was in her early fifties, and she's just systematically losing her memory and losing control of her of her everything. Her mind is just deteriorating, and he was just broken up. And he said, he said, will you pray with me? I mean, my goodness. Talk about an opportunity for the gospel. Um, the people that we work with, the people that I work with, in the, you know, that are also, also uh, instructors, we're having an opportunity to be light in their life. And it's not like we sit and talk about the gospel the whole time, but they know who I am. Tomorrow night I'm actually going over to Menominee and, and teaching a seminar because there's been some sexual uh, uh, crimes happening on the Stout campus. And so they want, the, the, the church over there said, hey, we want to sponsor a, a, uh, uh, a training because we want our folks to be, inter- you know, to, to be involved with the campus. And so you just, there, here's all these opportunities as a believer to be salt and light in an area where I would never run into these people. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't know them if it hadn't been for this. Um, I've been asked to be uh, to, to lead a club at the high school. I'm going into the high school once a week now and interacting with these kids. All they have to do is go on my website and they know I'm a Christian. Because in, in my bio, I talk about who I am. What 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 is so you, you have these opportunities at the you know in your workplace, at school, and in uh, the neighborhood, at the marketplace. You know. Um, the other day, the other day I went uh, went out for lunch with Pastor Jonah up at uh, up at uh, he's from Saint Croix Falls, but we went out for lunch here and we went into a restaurant. Well, as soon as I walked in, I saw the owner and I said, "Hey, you know how you doing?" And he goes, "Oh, good, glad to have you here." And Jonah looks at me and goes, "Do you know everybody?" <laughs> <laughs> but he's another guy I've had an opportunity to be salt and light. You know, another person to you know, and, and building those relationships everywhere we go. That's who we're supposed to be. That is our focus. It really is. It isn't the house. It isn't the car. It isn't the boat. It isn't the vacation. It's we get to do all those things. And here coming back now, farmer gets to reap the harvest. We get to enjoy those things, but we do it as part of who we're called to be. And that is first of all, a servant of the living God. And a born again servant of the living God. And our purpose being to be light and to lead as many people to Christ as possible. I saw something a little different in, in verse 6 there about the farmer, um, partly because of the King James choice of words here, and also because of the first partaker of the truth didn't seem like it had a whole lot else talked about related to that. Well, it says the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the truth. And husbandman here is the same word the King James uses in the um, verses where it talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches, I am the vine. The father is the vine dresser, the vine dresser is husbandman. So you can look at this in that respect that God deserves our first mm. efforts too. Fantastic. And then it kind of makes sense with faithfulness and, you know, that God's been <laughs> the one who deserves, you know, our response to him, too. And, and so, I, I don't know. I see it that way, too. But I agree with everything else you said. 
Well, of course you do. I mean, how could, how could you not? <laughs> use the word husbandry. Husbandman is is the one that tends and whatever and takes care of. So, amen. So, it puts all of that into context. The context is, hey, Timothy, you need to get some guys. You need to you need to put this into the hands of people, and these are the kinds of people you want. You want them being faithful. You want them being diligent. You want them uh, working hard. You want them to have patience. You want them to have... you. These are the kinds of people that, that you need to put in charge. And you have that. When you have that, you're going to be you're going to be effective. Of course you're going to be effective. I mean, that's... That's the cream of the crop right there. And I believe that every believer, every Christian can be that. It's called to be that. And when we submit ourselves to God, whether we're working in an office or we're working on garage doors or we're you know, a stay-at-home mom or at the hospital or whatever it is, every, wherever we are, we can be that effective person in that place. That's what we're called to do. So, All right, verse number eight. Oh, yeah, verse number eight. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So, Paul is saying, hey, I'm doing this. Even where I'm at, even where... I'm sitting, I'm bound, I'm in, a, I'm in a prison, and I'm doing this. I'm being faithful, I'm, I'm being salt and light. And uh, from all accounts, the, even the guards that, he was, that were around him were, were being affected by the gospel. Um, so he's encouraging Timothy, saying, hey, because of who Jesus Christ is, because he's risen from the dead, the offspring of David, he's, it's the gospel that I'm preaching He's suffering. He's he's bound. He's he and he's still preaching the gospel. He's being he's giving himself as the as an example of what that person, even in the worst possible situation, is he's still fulfilling that call, that that purpose in his life. So, verse eleven, this saying, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So, because of who Christ is, because Paul is enduring even the hardship. So, in this life, not everything is from God. But... Everything can lead to an opportunity for you to, to, to show God through your life. Now, whatever it may be, some kind of the hassle, the car doesn't start, the, the uh, um, give me another example. Lock your keys in your car. Lock your keys in your car. Your husband doesn't answer his phone. The husband doesn't answer the phone, the dirty dog. <laughs> I answered my phone tonight, by the way, just to let you know. That's because you had it on. I do. <laughs> the truck breaks down, or the truck, you get into an accident. Whatever it may be, okay, 
in this situation, I will exhibit Christ and give him glory for whatever, you know, what, what, how God works it out in the, in the end. And Paul giving himself as that ultimate example, hey, even if you're thrown in prison. I mean, people who have endured, uh, I mean, the, the stories that have been told about uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. You know who Diedrich Bonhoeffer is? Diedrich Bonhoeffer was one of the conspirators. He was a co-conspirator trying to kill Adolf Hitler. And he was a pastor in Germany. And he was a pastor in Germany. When the plot failed, he was rounded up with all the other co-conspirators. Conspirators, And ultimately he was put to death. He was, I think it was a firing squad, if I remember right. But while he was in prison, he wrote extensively about his faith in Christ. He also witnessed to everybody that he could meet. He actually led Bible studies of people that were in prison. People got saved while he was there. He took advantage of where he was at, the situation he was in. It wasn't ideal. It wasn't perfect. Nobody wants, nobody thinks, hey, I should get thrown in prison so I can really be effective. <laughs> but if you, even if you are, you can amazingly live for Christ in a way that will, that will touch other people, that will, that will minister whatever the situation is. All right. And so that part about if we have died with him, we will also live with him. That doesn't mean just a physical death. By, by submitting yourself to God's plan for your life. Now, I thought of this earlier, didn't say it, but I'll, because I'll, I'll, I thought of it again just now, I'll throw it in. It may be a job you don't like. You may be in a situation that feels like death every day. Hot dog maker. Hot dog maker, man. <laughs> Tell me about it. But there, there I actually, there was actually, I mean, God was showing me favor in that place. I mean, I went from hot dog maker to, to, uh, to roadrunner, uh, maintenance, working in the, I mean, that was, a, that was probably one of the best jobs in the factory. But all the way along, God gave me people to, to influence as I went along. The hardest job I ever had was working at the, YMCA camp maintenance because the boss was just a jerk. He was a jerk. And every day I felt like I was dying. That's, I mean, it was just painful to walk in there knowing I, I mean, I'd go through the rest of my day thinking, oh, I've got to go out there this afternoon and didn't want to do it. But while there, just being salt and light. And that didn't say I was doing it perfect. I mean, Deb knows more than anybody. It wasn't, I didn't have the best attitude all the time. <laughs> But you keep swinging away. And, and you will, that, that's where the grace of God comes in. So, all right. God, there are times when you get put into situations that you don't really like. And it could still very well be God. So, verse 14, remind them of these things. So, who, who is he to remind? He's to remind the people that he's putting into these positions. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. That verse is talking about the heresies that are that were going around, and they dealt with it in, in uh, first letter to Timothy and the beginning of the second letter. There was people, there were people out there preaching stuff that was heresy. Most of it had to do with Gnosticism, uh, you know, lineages, all kinds of goofy things. He says, just tell them, don't even quarrel about this stuff. It doesn't do any good. It just ruins. It just, it's just a waste of time. There's all kinds of things you could be doing. Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as, a, as one approved, a worker 
who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So it goes, talks about the, that lead, you know, kind of points back to that farmer picture of someone who diligently works or the athlete who's, you know, they, 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 they practice hard, getting themselves ready to do it, or the soldier who's focused on, on the right thing. So be diligent, a worker who's not ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene, among them Hymenaeus and Philetus. The same two guys who were giving him trouble before in First Timothy are still being a jerk. And he's saying these, are the, these guys are nothing but trouble. And, and we all see it. The thing is, we can see it. that It leads to ungodliness and spreads like gangrene. So... But, but Timothy, you're, you're in a bad situation, but keep going because you're going to win. You have God on, you know, God has your back. Verse 18, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. So this kind of just gives us an idea of what they're saying as um, part of the heresy. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So, the, 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 the resurrection has already happened was actually part also of the, the um, Gnostic uh, teachings. Is that, hey, you know, Christ already came back, and so now we just have to make it on our own, and we do that by secret knowledge, blah, 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 blah. It was the same. That's what that's what that teaching uh, entailed um, back then. <clears throat> All right. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself with or cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And so he be focused. Here we are. Be focused. Know what your purpose is. If your purpose is gold and silver, don't act like your wood. Don't don't act like a a less honorable um, purpose. We know who we are. We know. I mean it, it, it the verses that we're reading in Romans that I that I can't seem to get out of Romans this year in Romans 8, it, it, it's saying we're children of God. We're, we're sons and daughters of the living God. And, and we, we need to live like it. If we don't live like it, then we're just wasting our time. In verse 19, where it says the second, the second part of it, I don't know, I forget what Drew said, but now, nevertheless, God's firm foundation stands stamped with these words. The Lord knows his own. That's a reference back to... Uh, See if I can pull it up and get back to the Old Testament. Number 16. Yeah, when he uh, separated Korak, says, When Moses heard this, he fell on his face. Then he said to Korak and his whole group in the morning, Adonai will show who are his and who is the holy person he will allow to approach him. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But it's that, that level of knowing that his people. Amen. And so we're supposed to live like it. If we're, if we're honorable vessels, if we're made with silver and gold, don't act like wood and clay. 
Don't don't live your life that way. Um, cleanse yourself from the dishonorable, from that what is dishonorable. Be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful for the master's house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord with a pure heart, having nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. See, he's just going over again. He just keeps hammering this home, chapter after chapter, verse after verse. There's purity. Live pure. Don't get into the foolish stuff. Don't get into the wasteful stuff. Don't don't give it. Be a soldier who's focused on what you're supposed to be focused on. In this life, there's so many things that try to pull us away, that try to become more important than our purpose in Christ. And we can live our life. Now, I, I want to keep hitting that because I think that's just the context of it is so important. We can live our life very fully and, and, and each one differently and each one having different focuses and purposes and, 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 and tasks. But the ultimate purpose is to live for Christ. Live for Christ. Live for Christ. Keep that as your focus. And if you do that, all these things will be added on to us. All the other stuff, all the fun stuff, all, you know, I am fully expecting one day to get the land. I told him about the land and I was a crappy mood and, you know, I was being adult, uh, being idolatrous, uh, uh, idolatrous, covetous, but yeah, idolatrous is another good word to use. I fully believe that one day we'll get a property and it's going to be better than all the other ones we looked at because each one we've looked at has gotten better. This last one is like, I, you know, my tongue. I, it took me forever to get my tongue back in it. <laughs> it had a 165-foot-long by 40-foot pole barn in perfect condition. Oh, think of it. My daughter was thinking, horses, horses. You know, I mean, just it's a beautiful property. Perfect. It's right. It's, it's, so that means God could finally have put one in our hands even better. He really could. So we need to keep the focus on what we're supposed to keep the focus on, not on stuff, not on our plans, but what does God want us to do? How do we do that? And he's, so in these last verses, he's talking about having nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. Here we go again. You know they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge, to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. After being captured by who? The devil or by God? By the devil. So that they'll be they'll come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So what he's saying is that even though they're caught, even though they're they're wrapped up in the in the in the, the kingdom of darkness, that we can still help them come to their senses. Okay. So what's our purpose? Where are we headed? Being good soldiers, being athletes who play by the rules, keeping focused, keep moving in the right direction, and remember what we're here for. When we do those things, we're going to help people. That's what the last that verse is. We're going to help people get out of that lifestyle. But if we're not, if we're focused, if we strain off ourselves and we're focused on other stuff and we're not, we're double-minded or whatever, well, we're not useful then because we're we're just. And, and I actually believe. Here's the sad part. I think most of the church 
universal church is that picture. Oh, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know who I am. I don't, and we're and there and the church is wandering around while millions and billions of people go to hell, and it needs to change. I think as many times as he mentioned about the the worthless debate kind of things that that that's really common for for that to be a, a ditch where it's more about being right than affecting the people that need to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there at the end, he's put it in good context where it matters more that you reach those people than to have been or right and where you guys are wrong and yep. separate. Which is a perfect segue back to the question. When I have had people start throwing those questions out, because those are the hard, those are the, the tried and true, uh, supposed to be conversation starters or Can stoppers. I don't think everyone was here to know exactly what we were talking about. Why does God punish good people? But but you lead up even more. You you were hanging out with is it your boss or? Uh, kind of my boss, not really. Is somebody from another guy. Another guy. Yep. And uh, I made the comment about coming to Bible study tonight, yesterday, and he took that opportunity, he remembered the fact that I was coming to Bible study tonight to ask me why I'm a Christian, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, he, He threw so many questions out, one right after another, without giving me an opportunity to respond, just like Kelly was saying. He didn't want a discussion. He wanted to vent. He wanted to argue. He wanted a quarrel. That just quarrel. exactly what this is talking about. Yeah. yeah. And my response to him basically was, I don't know. And I just hope that I someday will be able to have those answers to uh, to give to you. But basically what I told him is, is um, it's better to believe in something than nothing at all. That believing in something you live your life good. Believe in nothing, you're evil. You're deceitful. You're mischievous. You get into trouble. And uh, the one question I didn't really have an answer for him on is is when he started talking about his father uh, having cancer. Mm -hmm. And he suffered every day for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, Cried every day for a year. He had to sit and watch his father while he passed away. And why did God allow that to happen? And I just told him that basically that wasn't God. Yeah. God was the devil. Amen. Man was not meant to die. God never intended for us to die. And uh, we did that to ourselves. And then that brought another question. Why are we being punished for something that happened thousands of years ago? Uh, I didn't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and the, the conversation is a fantastic conversation. And by saying, for open ears. Hey, yeah, for open ears, you're going to have more opportunities because now there, there. Let me say it this way: there's, there's blood in the water. He smells it, and and is it something very dear to him? Um, you need to get some answers. You might not have all the answers, and and by saying I don't know, that's a good way to say it. I say I don't know all the time. You know, instead of making up an answer, I'll just say I don't know. I immediately pray. Mm-hmm. I, I ask for God to speak through me and tell me what, make make me say what He wants this guy to hear. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Those little <laughs> <answers>. <laughs> I, 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 
after you sent me the text that you were afraid. This was before. Those little uh, answer in Genesis pamphlets have a lot of good little one-liner answers, too. In retrospect, in hindsight, looking back on it, mm -hmm. I don't think I was supposed to say anything. Mm -hmm. I got answered by keep your right. mouth shut. Mm -hmm. Because I'm still a baby Christian three years later, and I don't know all the answers. I and I would have stuck my foot in my mouth <laughs> in no time. <laughs> I, I, can tell, I can tell you that that's, that's pretty common for that to be kind of what an early sort of experience like that looks like a lot of times. People get really blindsided and they have all these unfair questions, you know, that you're not prepared to answer. It serves a couple of purposes. It serves you wanting to have better answers in the future. Um, it also isn't the last time that this guy is going right. to have an interaction with somebody and somebody more prepared to answer him in some of those questions probably will be instrumental in him coming around. Well, that, isn't, that isn't to say you're not going to be that person at some point, too, for well, him, but it's, don't it's, worry about Don't put it all on your shoulders yeah. as to how that guy responds with this. But um, it's, it's certainly, I think part of the reason why you didn't get scripted words to say, and this is something that I think is important, is that a canned answer is something that turns a lot of people away. So mm -hmm. if it's just a phony scripted response, you can go to hundreds of churches and find those as the answer to any. Most people that have an authentic question will see right through it. They want somebody to really say, you know, I don't really know a good answer for you, but what I do know is this. And then tell them what you, you know, what's your confidence of it. And I think that makes more headway than having oh, all the perfect doctrine right down the row, you know, to answer everything exactly right. Yeah. He'd genuine. rather have a real person talking to him. Yeah, something genuine. That's what you say, Oh, um, I was just going to say, I think it's for someone who has those questions, I mean, the first time you have those questions, it is like, whoa, wait. <laughs> and I think it's, it's <coughs> a lot of self-reflecting. I mean, he had to sit there and he had to say, okay, am I going to give him a couple of lines or am I going to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. This is what I believe. Mm -hmm. Does it have to make sense? Not necessarily because mm -hmm. whatever he was going to say is going to be wrong to this guy anyways. But mm -hmm. I think it was justification for him, himself. I mean, how many times does the devil poke and prod and mm -hmm. what do you believe? Do you really think this? Are you going to stand up for what you believe in? No, I think I think you did fantastic. Yeah. I got to tell you, it's the first time I ever really said to a non-Christian that I am a Christian, mm -hmm. and uh, didn't back down. That's from, awesome. Which I just realized that right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I literally just realized that. It's oh, a scary no, thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scary thing, you know, especially what happens at work. Yeah, you know, didn't have a big guy come up behind you and ask you, I hear your hey, Jesus. I, hear your Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to encourage you with what I was saying. Is that that? I mean, that's good. That yep. Oh, I think you did great. Yeah. Okay. Amen. All right, let's pray real quick because we're we're over. But by golly, we started. We started a little late. <laughs> yes. Father, we do thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. You're the answer. 
And we, Lord, we lift up Justin and this guy. Father, we thank you that this relationship continues on, that uh, this guy sees Justin's heart, that he sees his life, he sees his, uh, his diligence to, to continue to give, give the glory of God uh, preeminence in his life. And that this man will be drawn, as your word says. Your word doesn't say that people are drawn because of the right answers or because of a convincing argument but that they're drawn to you because of the love of God shed abroad in their hearts. So, Father, we thank you that, that as your love, your goodness draws this man, that the love of God, the goodness of God keeps coming through Justin's life and is a conviction to this man of the sin in his. Thank you for the opportunities, Father. Thank you for putting the words in our mouth when they need to be there and keeping our mouth shut when they're not supposed to. And, Lord... Thank you for your word. The Second Timothy 2, Lord, we just thank you for it and the revelations that you've given us in it, even at this time. Lord, we give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.